You see, when God wants something done in His church, in His body, of course, it's revealed to us in the written Word of God. But He also speaks to several leaders in the body of Christ so that they can bring a message to the church and say, this is where God wants us to go. This is what God wants us to do. So back in 1975, God spoke to three key leaders in His church, in His body. Uh, you will recognize some of the names. Bill Bright, who's the found, who was the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ. God spoke to him. And Campus Crusade is a well-known organization all over the world, working in campuses as well as in other urban settings. God also spoke to Lauren Cunningham, who is the founder of Youth with a Mission. And again, Youth with a Mission is all over the world, in every nation of the world. And, and powerful move among the youth, mobilizing the youth for missions and service to God. He spoke to Lauren Cunningham. As well as to a well-known theologian, and he's no more, but Dr. Francis Schaeffer, intellectual, uh, well-known theologian. So God spoke to these three men, gave them a very similar message. He may have used different terminology, but in essence, the message was the same. It was that if, if the church, the body of Christ, is going to disciple nations, they must first of all transform the culture. And they must transform the culture in seven spheres or seven mind molders or seven mountains, seven areas of influence. And what we want to do is embark on a journey on how we as a church can respond to that mandate from God. And this morning is an introduction to this whole series of teaching on the seven mountains assignment. So what God was saying to these uh, three key leaders is that the church has to enter in to these seven spheres of influence. The church has to go in, become part of these seven spheres. What are these seven spheres of our seven mountains? We talked about the family, the institution that was set up by God, religion that includes the church, the people of God, and all other forms of thought and philosophy and worship. Education, which will include all our schools and colleges, universities, academic places of learning and training and education. Media, which will include all forms of communication, print, electronic, that includes the television, the internet, and so on. Arts and entertainment or celebration, every way in which the culture celebrates, whether it's movies, dance, sports, and so on. Business or economy, which begins, of course, with uh, scientific innovation, advances in science and technology, and then leads to production activities such as production and sales and service, and governments, all three branches of the government, whether it's the judicial system of justice, the legislative and establishing law, or the executive and operation of government systems. What God is saying is He wants His people in these seven spheres. And uh, being there, if we can affect the culture that's in these spheres of influence, we can then disciple nations. So that is what you and I want to embark on, on saying, look, if God has put this forward to the church as an assignment, saying, go do this, then you and I want to engage in doing that. Amen? Rather than just, you know, sitting and saying, okay, you know, I'll just attend church and that's all there is to my Christian experience or my life as a believer. We must come to a place where we understand that God is very interested 
in what we do outside of church. In fact, he finds that very important and he's given a mandate to the church to go in to these seven spheres of influence and bring about transformation. So in this introductory message this morning, I just want to talk about the challenge, the process, the preparation, and the positioning that's involved in effecting change in these seven spheres, the seven mountains of influence. So let's talk about the challenge. What is the challenge which Jesus gave to the church? You know, Jesus did say in Mark 16 verse 15, He said, I want you to go into all the world and I want you to preach the gospel to every creature so that at an individual level, you and I must take the gospel to people. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. But Jesus also told us in Matthew the 28th chapter, verses 18 to 20, and you and I are familiar with it. He said, you know, all authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. So that's the challenge. He said, go make disciples of all nations. Nations have to be disciples. That's the challenge. What's the challenge before the church? The discipling of nations. Entire groups of people. Geographically located. Brought together by common culture or race. Ethnicity. Disciple entire nations, he said. That's our challenge. The church is called to disciple nations. So that, that brings us to the next question. How are we going to do it? How will we be able to disciple nations? What's the process involved? So Lauren Cunningham, after he received this revelation from God, he explained it this, like this. He said, for discipleship to happen, there must first be salvation. You can only disciple those who have been saved. But for salvation to happen, there must first be preparation. Jesus gave us the parable of the sower sowing the seed. And he sowed the seed of God's word on four different kinds of soil. And only one out of the four actually produced. And the reason only one produced was that was the only right kind of soil. It was a soil that was prepared. So if, all, if the seed of the word of God is going to produce and result in salvation, the soil must first go through preparation. The heart of man must first be prepared to receive the seed of the gospel. Do you agree with me? And what is the preparation? That's where the transformation of culture comes in. The affecting of the culture in which people live is the preparation for them to receive the seed of the gospel. When we affect the culture, we're talking about belief systems. We're talking about things that shape their thought patterns the way their worldview, the way they look at things, the perspectives both on natural and spiritual things. When we are able to affect the culture, we are actually preparing them for receiving the gospel of salvation to be saved. Amen? See, many of us think, you know, I'm not a discipler. I'm, I can't disciple people. I'm not an evangelist. I don't go win souls for Christ. But you can be in the first part of this all-important equation. You can be one of those who prepares the soil of people's hearts by affecting the culture in which they live. Prepare them to receive the message of Jesus Christ. Amen? In fact, all of us here are part of this equation of discipling nations. You and I might be people who prepare souls by affecting the, their culture, their environment. 
So that they can be saved and then discipled. Amen. So that is the process. The process of transforming culture in which people live. In order to prepare their hearts for salvation. So how do you and I transform culture? How can you and I affect the culture in which people live? I just want to put forward just three simple things, but very, very practical and yet important things that you and I can do. Number one is we can transform the culture by modeling biblical principles in these seven spheres of influence. Model biblical principles where? In these seven spheres, on the mountains. See, it's very easy to come into church and be holy and be good and be pure and be very worshipful and very devout and everything. But, you know, when you're in the church, in this gathering, you're really not affecting any culture. The culture is already pretty much predetermined. Amen? But when you take these principles of the Bible, take them with you into your school, into that mountain of education, into your school, your college, your classroom, whether you're a student or a teacher, when you take these biblical principles into the arena of business, when we read that verse, verse 16, you know, let, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven, we immediately think of only charitable works. But I want to suggest to you that when Jesus meant good works as a means to let a light shine, he was not limiting it to charitable works. When you are in business, what are your good works? How good you can do in business. When you're in education, what are your good works? Not giving candies out to your students. That's not the good works. You know, Jesus told me to do good works. I'm going to be very charitable to all my students. Lunch break, I'll take them, I'll take everyone a Kit Kat bar, you know. Those are my good works. Wrong. When you're a teacher, an educator, your good works is the positive influence that you will have on your students. You know, some teachers, educators, they educate in such a way that drives people away from learning. They go back home and say, Mama, I don't want to go back to that class. Please don't send me to school. But then there are some educators who light a spark in their students and make them want to learn. Kids go back home and say, I want to go to school. Why? Because of that teacher that they have in their class. Those are your good works. Your capacity to make a change, bring a, make a difference. Amen. Let your light shine. How? By your good works. What you are able to do. Lauren Cunningham put it like this. He said, you know, when we use the wealth of the world to bless the world, not only in giving to the needy, but in multiplying the wealth, then we make a difference. Let's illustrate it this way. Suppose you have a thousand rupees. This is just for, uh, just for illustration. It is good. It is important if you desire to give 500 to somebody who is in need. That is good. You've blessed somebody. But what if you can take that 500 and do something that multiplies the 500? What if you give it to somebody, say in a micro-enterprise situation, all they need is some money to start something and some knowledge to know how to do it. Right? So you create a micro-enterprise. You give that 500 to somebody. Teach them a trade. Show them how they can multiply it. You know, you've not only blessed one person for one time, but you've probably affected 25 people for a lifetime. You have multiplied the wealth of the world. You've been a blessing to the world. Those are your good works. Are you listening? Because when you gave that 500 and told him to start a micro-enterprise, he could not only feed himself one meal, 
but he created a business where maybe he has 10 people working for him. He's got five suppliers. He's already affected 15 people. He's taking care of his family and he's doing this for many years. You have multiplied the wealth that's in the world. Those are your good works. And Jesus said, let men see your light by your good works that you do. And they will glorify the Father who is in heaven. So how can we transform culture? It's by our good works that we do. And a third way to transform culture that I want to put forward to us is this. We must engage also in spiritual transformation. So first you model biblical principles. You carry those principles of integrity, excellence, kindness, faith in God. You carry these principles into your workplace. Second, you let your good works come forth. Whatever area of arena of influence you are, let show people what can come out of your life because you believe in God. Let them see the good works that you're able to do with the help of God. And third, we must also engage in spiritual transformation. The Apostle Paul put it like this. He said in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and again, these are very familiar verses. In verses 3 to 5, he said, Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. We don't fight according to the flesh. We don't use natural weapons. For the weapons, verse 4, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God. For the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So he said we are using spiritual weapons to affect the mindsets, the things that occupy the mind of man. So culture to a large extent is influenced by the spiritual forces that surround it. A lot of things that people practice and do in culture is because of spiritual origin, the spiritual beliefs, the spiritual forces that shape it. And so in order to transform culture, we must also engage in spiritual transformation. Are we all on this together? Amen? So we engage, by mod- we transform culture by modeling biblical principles in the workplace. We transform culture by the good works. What can you do in that sphere of influence that you're in? With the help of God, show it. And we transform, we engage in spiritual transformation. So this is where prayer comes in. This is where the anointing of God comes in. This is where the supernatural signs, wonders and miracles comes in. This is where the prophetic comes in. See the prophetic is not just to equip you to prophesy in church. And by the way, I heard about what happened last Sunday morning. We just have a little protocol here in church that when you want to prophesy or say something, you must first come and submit it. To the leader of the, of the service, whether you're in a life group or in your in a church setting, that's divine order. We want all things to be done. Decent in order, coming up and asking for the mic is out of order. Amen? Back to our message, right? So the prophetic is not just meant for the Sunday morning services. The prophetic is for you to go out into your workplace and hear from God. In your workplace. Hey, if you can hear from God to solve a problem. In your workplace. If you can hear from God to come up with a new idea. A new strategy for your business. That's where prophetic comes into play. Amen. So that's spiritual transformation. Coming in to the culture. So people are going to ask you. How did you get that idea? And then you can say like Daniel or Joseph. It's not from me. There's a God in heaven who gives ideas. You're affecting the culture. Amen. However. As we understand the process involved in transforming the culture that you and I live in, there has to be a preparation. 
First of all, the church, the body of Christ, and I'm talking the church at large, is not ready to engage culture. You know, many of us traditionally, when we think about church, we only think about the Sunday morning service. You know, I go to church, I show pastor my face, he marks my attendance and say, Pastor, be happy, I came to church. And I'll see you next Sunday. And that's all. In our minds, in our traditional thinking about church, that's all there is to it. But that must change. Every believer needs to know that you are a very important part of the equation for transforming and discipling nations. What you do Monday through Saturday outside of the church setting is so important in discipling our city and our nation. Amen. You know, think about the typical pastor. All his friends are believers. He watches God TV. He probably doesn't even change the channel. He listens to worship music. He has no idea of any other kind of music. He doesn't go to movies, so he has no idea of what, what's running in the theaters. I'm talking about the typical pastor. So basically, a typical pastor is living in his own world. And is so distant from the real Monday to Saturday world. So how is he even remotely going to transform a culture? Because he has no contact with it. So who is really going to transform culture? It's the believers. It's God's people. Now, I understand now that that's beginning to change. There are pastors who are coming to, uh, beginning to step into the real world and begin to affect the world. But it's the millions and millions of believers in the body of Christ who must be equipped to bring about change in the real world. Amen. So there, has to be, there is a preparation involved. The church needs to be prepared. And sad to say that for a very large part, the church has discouraged believers from engaging the world. If you said, you know, I want to study further. I want to get a master's degree. I want to do a PhD. Why you are going after the world? So the church discourages that kind of interest. If you say, I want to be a good dancer. Forget it. You backslidden. But what if that's the gift that God has put in you? And what if that gift is supposed to be so nurtured so that one day you can be in Bollywood or Hollywood, doesn't matter where, but you're in that, that arena of arts and entertainment and, and beginning to affect change and affect the culture because not only are you a good dancer, but you carry the kingdom of God in you. So by the church saying, no, 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 don't dance. We have defeated ourselves and prevented the fulfilling of the great commission of discipling nations. So the body of Christ itself has to go through an entire change, a preparation process, so that it can ready itself to begin to affect these seven spheres of influence. We begin to think, and unfortunately we've left this whole idea that if you are a lay person, and there is no such thing as a lay person in the Bible, but if you are supposedly a lay person, you're a second class citizen. God first and foremost loves the preachers. They are the first class citizens. Then come all these other people, you know, who work outside in business. and They got their hands full of gold and silver. God doesn't like gold and silver. He just uses it to pave the streets with gold, you know. So we created this kind of a mindset in the church. Where you can only be loved by God if you're a preacher. And that's wrong. 
All of God's people are anointed by God. And there is only one Holy Spirit. There is no Holy Spirit for preachers and Holy Spirit for separate Holy Spirit for believers. There's only one Holy Spirit, one kind of anointing. All are anointed by God. Amen. So the body of Christ has to go through this entire radical shift in understanding. And it has to begin with every individual. With you and me. You and I need to be prepared to go in to whatever sphere of influence God has placed us in. Whether it's in education or business or government or media or art and entertainment. Family. Wherever God's placed you. You and I need to be prepared to make a change. So here are some things that I could just share with us here on the preparation process. First of all, there's got to be internal preparation. That means we need to guard inside. We need to guard our desires. Guard our motivations and guard our character. Guard our desires so that we can protect ourselves from the lust of money, power, influence, appetite. See, money is not wrong. Money is neutral. In fact, God has promised to put a lot of money in your hands. It's in the Bible. He said, wealth and riches will be in your house. He said, I am the Lord who gives you the power to get wealth. But before he can entrust us with that wealth, an abundance of wealth, we must be prepared, readied to handle that. Otherwise, we will mishandle it. So we must guard our desires against the lust of money and power and influence. Keep our desires pure and directed towards glorifying God. Pleasing God and for kingdom advancement. We must guide our motivations, which is the why. You want to be a great cricketer. Go for it. But why? Is it only because of IPL 7? Or is the why because this is the gift God's given me. I want to glorify God in that arena of sports. The why must be pure. That's preparation that you and I must go through. Otherwise... What happens is we may enter in with a seemingly right intent. But once you're in and you conform to the rest of the wolves in the pack, then you're just one of the wolves in the pack. There's no difference. You will not effect any change. But if you will dare to be a sheep among wolves and maintain that, you will transform the culture around you. Amen. But to do that, to remain a sheep, the internal must be ready. Got to guard your desires, guard your motivations. You want to be a successful businessman? Go after it. Go for it. God needs you in the world of business, whatever kind of business, other than drug trade. And <laughs> so I got to quickly qualify that. Any kind of good business, <laughs> go for it. God needs you there. He needs you on the mountain of business. In fact, he will prosper you. He's the Lord who said, I am the Lord who will teach you how to profit. You know, the motivation to profit is God-given. It's not unholy. It's God-given because he says, I am the one who will teach you to profit. But the why for the profit must be pure. I want to do it to glorify God. I want to do it to bless my employees. I want to do it to bless customers. I want to do it so that I can just be a blessing to people. And I can advance the kingdom of God. That why must be pure. Amen. That's part of our internal preparation. God character. Because your character will determine the decisions you make. And if there's no strong character. And you end up making decisions the way the world does it. Compromising in values. Compromising in integrity. Again there will be diminished influence. Or possibly no influence on the culture. So character is important. We must also have spiritual equipping because when we get in there into the world, we must 
know the biblical principles we are supposed to model what did god say how would god what what would be god's counsel in this kind of a situation because of a lack of understanding of biblical principles we cannot affect we are unable to affect transformation in our culture but we must know the principles that's why the study of the word of god is so important and we must also tap into our spiritual resources of the anointing of god of the holy spirit of prayer of god given authority of the prophetic of signs wonders and miracles and take it to the marketplace so that's why god's people need to be equipped in these things not because we can have fun inside church but so that we can go and affect the culture and the world that we step into every day and there must also be natural preparation you need to develop the required skills and capabilities and and be excellent in them whatever you do whether you're in arts or entertainment whether you're in media whether you are in education whether you are in business whatever you do get the skills you need study get the ma or the mba or the phd go for it because that is going to position you to make a difference amen it's going to open up doors it's going to give you opportunities to go into places where a pastor may never be able to go it'll give you access to people where a pastor whom a pastor may never meet because you have taken the time to develop the skills to develop the capabilities through your education through your training whatever and you've become good at it so that now you can have some good works to come for and influence people so prepare yourself in the natural amen we have to go through as individuals and as a church through a time of preparation and then that brings us to the last thing which is positioning so this is our challenge to disciple nations the process is to transform culture we transform culture by modeling biblical principles in the spheres of influence we transform culture by letting good works come forth what we can do with the enabling of god we transform culture through engaging in spiritual transformation there's a preparation involved we all have got to prepare us internally spiritually and in our natural skill sets and then i love god to position you god needs people at all levels in all places not everybody is going to be a bill gates some of us god will position right on top come he didn't say vacate and disappear he said occupy be in there be in business be in education be in government be in arts be in entertainment be in media be in there occupy for how long till you hear the call of god to go into ministry no till i come but most of us believers we vacated we've vacated and gone into church gone into our prayer groups gone into semi- seminaries we've gone into all these things we've vacated wholesale from all of these mountains and therefore we have lost our ability to affect the culture but jesus said occupy get in there be there till i come amen now god does need people on the mountain of religion he does need people on that mountain i'm not diminishing that he needs people who will stand up and proclaim the word and be teachers and preachers and prophets and apostles on the mountain he needs that but not everybody if we all huddle up around the mountain of religion who is going to affect the other six jesus said occupy till i come now when you talk about positioning there could be just different kinds of positions kinds of roles that god would give you and me some of us maybe transform us we may be right on top 
the Bill Gates, the presidents, the leaders of organizations, institutions, and so on. But when you make a decision, you're able to affect many people. Like the Josephs and the Daniels, the prime ministers and the presidents, the leaders. You can be a transformer. Some of us may be influencers. You may not be the decision maker, but you'll be next to them. Whether in the capacity of being a housemate who told Naaman, please go visit the prophet. That's all she said. What influence he had. Because when Naaman went and got healed, he came back and he said, I am only going to worship the God of Israel. The little maid was an influencer. Or like Esther, she had access to the king and she influenced him. So some of us may be influencers positioned that way. Some of us could be accessors. Maybe God puts us in places where we have access to power, access to influence, access to the decision makers. And you can bring it in for the kingdom. Nehemiah was like that. You know, he said, I'm just an office boy. I'm just this boy who serves food to the king. So one day, you know, he was really, he read the Times of India, Deccan Herald, and he was so discouraged. The headlines, walls of the city are broken. Still broken. Five years, BBMP has not fixed it. Sorry. Sorry, today's election, you should not say that. All right. <laughs> years have come and gone, and the walls have remained as it is. In five years, Bangalore will be unlivable, you know. <laughs> Whatever. So he was very sad. He was going around his... The king, the Persian king, saw him and said, Hey, Nehemiah, how come you're sad? Do you want a promotion? Do you want a raise in your salary? What do you want? Do you want a paid vacation? He said, Boss, I just want something different. It's not about my promotion. It's not about my raise in salary. It's not about a paid vacation. It's about those city walls of Jerusalem. That's, what dis that's what's disturbing me. City walls. Like, that's easy to fix, you know. City walls. What do you want to do? He says, just give me permission. I want to go back and get those walls built. You know what the king said? I'll not only give you time to go and build the walls. I will give you the permission. I will give you all the materials you need to build the wall. Can you imagine a Persian king paying for the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem? Access. You can be a Nehemiah. Advance the kingdom of God. Maybe you're a cross-pollinator like Moses. He was on the mountain of religion, so to speak, but he affected the mountain of governments. Paul was on the mountain of religion, a preacher and a teacher and an apostle of the kingdom, but he affected the governments of his day, kings and rulers. He worked across mountains. He affected and influenced mountains. Or maybe you're a trendsetter. You bring in something, cause a movement in your sphere of influence. Set a trend. It could be a simple trend. From now on, we mid-level managers are going to be kind. What a new trend. We're just going to be kind to all the people who report to us. You're setting a trend. You're changing the culture. Instead of just going by the letter of the rule book, we're going to treat all our subordinates as human beings. You're setting a trend in an environment that could be otherwise very hostile. You're a trendsetter. And this could happen at all kinds of levels. But you birth the movement in your sphere of influence. Or God may just position you as a catalyst where you might be a very small part of the equation. The real 
reactants are other bigger players. You're a very small piece, a catalyst. But without you, the reaction will not take place. You're just a catalyst. But a very important part of the equation. Right where you are. You're causing reactions to take place. You're influencing people to move towards certain directions, certain commitments, certain things, certain decisions. You're causing that to happen. You're a small part, but without you, that would never have taken place. And as those reactions take place, you do not change. You remain intact, causing more and more of that same reaction. Whether you're at the top or the mid-level or the grassroots, you're causing things to happen. God has positioned you there as a catalyst. Amen. God needs these kinds of people in these seven spheres of influence. There's a lot more we want to talk about. We'll just skip a few slides and just go to the, the very last one. I just want to challenge you this morning. What's your mountain? Would you ask the Lord saying, God, what is my mountain of influence or mountains of influence? In the coming weeks, we will talk about each of these seven mountains We'll address each one in greater detail. We'll talk about the promises of God that are relevant to each mountain. What promises can you use? If you are in entertainment, does the Bible give you any promise for that? If you're in business, if you're in politics, if you're in education. We'll talk about some of the challenges. Talk about some of the demonic powers that affect those mountains. Talk about testimonies of people who've made any difference. and Some principles that are relevant to that mountain and some gifts and anointings that you can tap into and some strategies to influence and how can you pray and intercede for those mountains. We'll try to address each of these mountains in greater detail so that we as individuals can be equipped to make a difference. But this morning I just want to close with this challenge. Will you pray and say, God, show me my mountain. Where do you want me to have influence? Where do you want me to transform culture? What are the mountain or mountains of influence? And then will you be like Caleb? In Joshua 14, 12, Caleb was 80 years old at this time. He's pretty old. Been through the wilderness. Been through lots of challenges in life. But once he got there, he went to Joshua and he said, Give me my mountain. Because with God's help, I can take it. Would you pray? And this morning say, God, give me my mountain. In my arena, where you have placed me, God, let me bring about godly influence. Let me transform the culture. Prepare people for salvation and discipleship. Would you pray that way? Say, God, show me my mountain. Where must I be positioned? And then God, give me this mountain. God, I really want to be on this mountain and make a difference for you. Whether they are at the top, the mid-level, the grassroots, it doesn't matter. God needs people at all levels. But you need to pray. Say, God, I want to make a difference. And just, I love God to speak to you this morning. Maybe some of you had a great desire to get into arts and entertainment. But you're always afraid. You know, what will God's people think about me if I get into entertainment? Or you want to get into the media, you know. But you're afraid. Hey, what if they see my face in television reporting news, you know. You're afraid. Or thought that that was ungodly. Well, this morning, maybe the Holy Spirit is encouraging and saying, go for it. God needs you there. Maybe, maybe some of you had a heart for our government. Say, so, you know, I must do something. Whether it is in the judicial system, whether it's in the legislative, or whether it's in the executive part of our government, whatever area. But you're afraid. You say, you know, that's, that's a very tough place to be. I want to encourage you. Maybe that prompting was really from God. Because he wanted you to be positioned there. 
And this morning as you're seated here, you just pray and say, okay, God, I'm willing to do something at least to affect the culture on that mountain. Maybe some of you are in business. Maybe everybody kept telling you, you need to leave everything and go into ministry. But maybe God wants you there. He wants you in business. And you just say, God, I'll be available to you. With every head bowed, every eye closed this morning, would you just pray and say, God, how can I transform the cult on my mountain where you've positioned me, God, so that through that, people can be ready, prepared to hear the seed of the gospel message. Can you take some time to pray and also listen to what God wants to tell you? Because in this moment, he could be speaking to you and giving you directions for your life, giving you ideas for your mountain, giving you some new ideas, new concepts, new strategies. This very moment, God could be birthing new things in you for your future. Father, we just invite you by your Holy Spirit to raise up people here, God, young men, young women, who will be sent out into these seven mountain these seven spheres of influence in our society in our world that they will be they will carry God the principles of God the anointing of God the power of God and take it with them into these seven spheres raise up people who will affect the mountain of government raise up people Lord from amongst us who will affect the entire mountain of economy raise up people who will affect the mountain of education of government of media family religion raise up people God who will be movers and shakers who will be influencers transformers of culture on all of these mountains empower your people in this house Lord Release much grace, release much anointing, release much wisdom upon our lives and favor because on our own we cannot do this. On our own we cannot penetrate. On our own we cannot permeate. Lord, with your grace, with your favor, with your empowering, Lord, we can. We can make a difference. So raise up people, Father, we pray. Equip us, Lord, in the days to come and use each one. Use each one. We pray in Jesus' name. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.